Last week, we had a chance to talk about one of the most important things about you and most important things to you, and that is, can I actually be loved? Can I be loved for who I am? And that is a, a central question that humanity is always asking, and we got to unpack how God answers that question unlike anyone and the face of the planet could possibly answer that question. I'm so grateful for that. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, you can podcast it or go on our website and listen to it. God does that perfectly. But there also is another deeply held, deeply uh, needed uh, reality in the human framework that none of us can get away from, and that is to belong. We absolutely have to and need to be loved and there is no question that we are desperate to belong. There is a deep need for belonging. This is not just a religious reality. This is true for all humanity. It's been written into our code. It's written into the human framework, our DNA. There was a study done back in the 90s. There was a huge uptick in uh, gangs and gang culture. And it was on a massive upswing. I don't know if you, you'd be pretty old if you remember that, so like me. But I, I remember back in the 90s, this uptick that was taking place. So they actually got in and began to do a study on gang culture. And in one of those studies, there was uh, said in regard to joining a gang, one of the uh, researchers that had, had this to say, many of these youth come from homes that are deeply troubled. They seek from gangs what they are not getting or will not accept from their families. They are looking for acceptance, love, companionship, leadership, encouragement, recognition, respect, role models, rules, security, self-esteem, structure, and a sense of belonging. Belonging. I'm telling you, if the first thing I thought about when I thought about gangs, I don't know that that would have been my first thing to think about, just being honest with you. But golly, is this not true? It's true of humanity. Just desperately want to belong. There's this sense of belonging that's tied to the fact that here's the reality. We're made to live in a family. We're made this way, to live in a family. Why? Because it's been hardwired into our DNA. God from the beginning, from eternity past has lived in family. We talk about the beauty of this one God, three persons, Father and Son and Spirit. And Jesus' own words saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here, but I am, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. We've been dialed in from the get-go, the God of the universe has lived in family from the beginning. Therefore, us, made in his image, bear this same longing to belong, to, if you will, to be one, yet unique and separate, and yet one together. In what they call Jesus' high priestly prayer, it's John chapter 17. You, couldn't, you could not exhaust the study of this particular prayer that Jesus prays. It's one of the last recorded prayers that we actually, it's actually the final recorded prayer before Jesus is on his way to the cross. And he's just making these profound 
outcries to the Father for himself, for these 12 men that he's had in his life. And then he prays for his future church. He looked praying for you and me, like right now. And he prays this prayer, this high priestly prayer, and he has this profound, I mean, deeply profound request that he makes of the church, about the church. John 17, he says, that glory that you've given me, I've given to them. That they may be one as we, Father, are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfectly one. So that, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Now, that one sentence is 50,000 sermons. We couldn't exhaust it. We couldn't get through the fullness of that, of everything that's said there. I'm just gonna do it all in like 12 minutes, so it's good. (laughs) There's more that could be said about this, but the one thing that I wanna lean into is this, perfectly one. This is the heart cry the God of the universe in the flesh for us is that we'd be one just like he is, meaning family just like he is, that the people of God, his church, are meant to be uniquely bound together in such a way that it reveals to the world the radical love of God. That is actually the point of drawing us together, bringing us here, Even what we're doing right now, it is more than singing songs and it is more than inspirational messages. It is a people that are being actually made one into a family. We were never just, hear this, the church was never just meant to show up on Sundays It was actually a people that are being formed and shaped and brought together perfectly one. That is our destiny. If Jesus, by the way, is praying it, he didn't pray anything out of accordance with the Father's will. If he's praying it, it's where we're headed. Let me say that again. If Jesus was praying it, this is your divine destiny in him. This is where you and I are headed to be perfectly one. And we're on that journey. Now, listen, that sounds super amazing and maybe even idealized because when we talk about families, when we say that even the word family, let's just be honest, families are crazy. <laughs> they just are. Just be real, right? And you know how I know how? Because your families are crazy. <laughs> and my family's crazy. Come on, I mean... You have story after story after story of how crazy your family is. Both you're like the one in your home and the extendeds. Come on, you're chuckling and you're feeling, you're trying not to laugh right now when I talk about the crazy of your family. Families are crazy. 
That's a reality. And I love, I thank God for biological families. My wife and I just celebrated our 19th anniversary. So good. I, I did it. I did it all. <laughs> Didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. We together were just thinking about our family and, you know, and, and honestly, just as my children start to get old and about to leave the house and got, you know, tears and like, can't, I'm like trying to shove steak down my throat because I can't, I'm just, I can't. Sad. And I love biological families. And that's beautiful. But there's another kind of family that God is building. And it's probably gonna be a little bit crazy too. I'm thankful for these pictures that we get of the biological families we have, but hear this. It's all actually pointing to another family that God is building. And it is as important to you and your life and your walk and your development and your growth as the one you were born into. Maybe more because the truth is we know we're all born into really broken places. I mean, even if as I say the word family, it might really hit something hard in you that doesn't feel great. When you think about the idea of family, you're going, I don't want any part of it. It's scary. And I think the Lord wants to invite all of us in, the crazy, the hurt, and all of it, to be invited into a family with him where you and I can experience the power and life of transformation that he has for every one of us. But we have to be willing to go there. Mark chapter three, Jesus, you're there in your Bibles. Jesus is doing ministry. His ministry is exploding. Crowds are coming around him. They're, try, they're clamoring. They're being healed and transformed and set free. Demons are moving and sickness is moving out of the lives of people and, and, and people are just desperate for it. Mark chapter three, verse 20, he's finally time to go home. Verse, verse 320 says, then he went home. So he's ministering out there and he goes home. And that crowd gathered again, you can imagine. The crowd gathered again so that they couldn't even eat. So the crowd is so expansive and so invasive, they can't eat. And when his family heard it, they went out and seized to seize him. For they were saying, he's out of his mind. Now this is Jesus' biological family. I love, by the way, this picture of his family because they're just the same as yours. It feels like they're just, they're hangry. Have you ever been there? You ever been hangry? Of course you have. I know you have. You ever been hangry? They're trying to eat. Yeah, come on. They're trying to eat and the crowds are messing up dinner time and they're like, this is ridiculous. I just, and again, I'm thankful. Jesus lived in a family that had some conflict. Amen? All right? They're like, hey, carpenter boy, we know who you are. Like, you think you, you've gone all rabbi. Okay, great, but I'm hungry, and this is messing the things up. 
And so it's just good old-fashioned family conflict. You got a family that you should be paying attention to here. Mark, you can jump, jump down to verse 31. It says, his, mothers, his mother and his brothers came. And standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside. They're seeking you. And he answered them, well, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, what's happening here? Is he shunning his biological family? No. No. He loved his mom dearly. She's one of the very few people that are actually left at the cross. Jesus is there. One very few. Let me tell you the beautiful relationship Jesus had with his biological mom. And what about his brothers? Jesus, we know Jesus lit his biological Brothers up. They were lit up, and at the end, the one who's leading the church in Jerusalem, who? James, his brother. Well, James the apostle. James, his brother. He's the one that writes the letter. And by the way, the letter he writes is the, the book of James is the most, you better obey my brother. I mean, that's literally what that whole book is. If you've ever read it, it's like, do it, people. Follow him, obey him. So, he had, this is not about Jesus getting rid or chucking away his biological family. He's saying, you need to understand something. You were meant to be a part of something even bigger. Your biological family is actually meant to point you to another family that is being built for all eternity. Get into that family. Be in that family. Let that family have a part of your life and you have a part of it. Jesus is defining this new family. He's gonna say, I love this family, but I'm, I'm stepping into this new one. I have a family. It is the people who are gonna say yes, just like we talked about last week. Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and I will follow you with my whole life. And the minute you say that, church, you're being invited into a family, that there's something more for you to step into, and that I'm building a new family that's gonna grow and grow as we bring more people into the realization that they could be perfectly loved and they actually have a place they could belong. And it won't be tied to how awesome they are, won't be tied to what they can perform or accomplish, it won't be tied to their greatness. In fact, this family will be tied together as having been the people whose eyes were open to say, I don't have it and I'm in desperate need for something else outside of me. And they come together and they are made a family. Paul's talking to Timothy. He's writing this letter to him, trying to help him learn how to lead and engage the church. He's carrying God's kingdom. He's gonna make this concrete statement. First Timothy chapter three, verse 14. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave, operate, Live in the household of God, which is the church. 
church of the living God, a pillar and buttress or foundation of truth. How powerful. He said, there's a household. There's a household of God. It is the church. And it's not people, it's not these walls. This, in fact, the walls are the, the least defining thing. This is the walls exist so we don't have to sit in the awkward rain that we've had all weekend long. There it is. That's why these walls are here. Everything else is actually about you and me in real relationship with each other because we've been called out to be his people. We were never meant to do this sacred journey alone, ever. We were never meant to do this journey with the Lord alone. It doesn't actually work. We need a family to help us get to where God is leading us. I need you, you need me, we need each other. And I could quite literally look at across the room so many people who have been here sharing their gifts and abilities and wisdom and insight. And honestly, when you've shared your hurts and wounds and sadness, I'm shaped by those things. We get shaped by those things. Your realness and vulnerability and honesty calls me to that place too. And we get to do something together that is powerful, that's eternal, that's significant. It's more than just coming here. I thank God for this hour, but it has to be more than that. The church is so much more than that. It is real relationship. It can be challenging, but you and I need each other. And I wanna just say, this, even as we talk about what it means to have this, because you and I need each other, the reason is, is because no one person can be all the things for you. You are so human and in such need. No one person can do that for you. Here, I mean, here's a probably unpopular but very true statement. Your spouse cannot meet all your needs, period. They can't do it. They don't have the capacity for it. They are not God. What you need will come from other people as well. I thank God for spouses. I thank God for kids. They cannot fill all the need that you have. We need each other. I'll say it this way. Men need other men, encouraging them and speaking into them. Women need other women, encouraging them and speaking into them. And if you got it like you're trying to keep all your mess contained, um, which we do this often, I think, and I feel like just call out toxic shame culture, especially in marriages when your marriage isn't working well and you're trying to maybe put on the brave face when you come to church and you're trying to keep it all contained, man, that's a vortex of emptiness for your spouse. They can't do it. You guys trying to keep that in? or your kids are a mess and you're just like, we can't, and we're just trying to contain it. No, we get with each other and say, help, pray for me, walk with me. And all of a sudden, there's brand new freedom. 
And the freedom comes not because you've got life figured out. The freedom comes because where the spirit of the Lord is invited, there's freedom. When we invite the Holy Spirit to come in and build this thing. Jesus is saying, these are my, this is my mother. And these are my brothers. He's saying there's another family that you're meant to be a part of. I love biological families. But we got to have more than that for each other as we step into days ahead. And how do we know that? Because Jesus himself lived this way. Je- Jesus on the earth. Listen, if there was anyone that could do this thing called life by himself, it was the son of God. He could totally do that. He was capable because there was no deficiency in him whatsoever. And yet, and yet, his own testimony is, nope, I'm gonna walk with my family. I'm gonna walk with this family I'm building. And he's got like three different circles, right? He's got these crowds that are following him and he's ministering to them and hope by the grace of God, they're ministering back or they're maybe pouring into, they're caring for, maybe giving to his ministry, if you will. There's those that are using their resource and he's got this crowd around, it's great. And then every once in a while, he'll say weird things like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And they're like, I'm out. That was weird. That got weird, Jesus. And so they're in and out, in and out, needing from him, needing, and maybe possibly meeting his needs, great. And I I thank God that we have something like that where we gather together on Sundays in a crowd. And that's good. But what does Jesus very, very, very intentionally do? He gets him a community group. He's just 12. And he's just like, I'm gonna live with you guys. I'm just going to pour into you, and you guys are going to pour into me. And we're going to walk with each other. Jesus actually lived as family. He lived that way. He lived that way. And so he's got these 12, and he's like, guys, we're going to run for a few years. Not going to be 20 years. We've just got a few. And we're going to live this life together. There's gonna be some changing of the seasons and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna send my spirit, but we're, just, we're not gonna be here for very long. Seasons are gonna change, but I'm gonna lean into it. This is his new family and they're functioning with him as true friends, actual friends. I want you to hear me. This, there is a necessity for this in the kingdom. We need friends in the Lord. We need friends in the Lord, friends who are part of a spiritual family, people that come around us who we can meet with. And when we gather, we get to get challenged and called up to be spurred on to the love and good deeds that God has for our lives, period. It's a, it's a community group. And let me just say something. We, don't do, we, do, we have groups here. We do community groups. We do study groups. We do not do those because we get bonus points for doing community groups. I get zero kickbacks or bonuses for the number of groups we have in this church. Just be like, let's talk about why we do these things. I got no interest in running a cool program. In fact, this is maybe the worst program you can run where you're like, you gotta live in organic relationship with each other. That's a horrible program. I'm just gonna be honest with you, it's bad. It's bad. It's the messiest thing. We'll reach out to group leaders. We're like, hey, who's in your group? And they're like, well, 
We're still trying to figure it out, you know? Families are messy. I'm okay with that. Let's be okay with that. But the reality is we do these things because all we're trying to do is open up an avenue for you to actually live in spiritual family. Because your biological family, as amazing as they are, are not enough. You need men, men. Ladies, you need women. We need each other to come around and encourage and speak life and pray for and open up to. And is it clunky and awkward at times? Yes is the answer to that question. Of course it is. You ever, you ever been to the like, first time going to a community group and you're like, you're just walking in and it doesn't smell like your home. You know, it's just maybe a different smell. Like maybe they got a cat. Oh, you're cat people. All right. You're like, Jesus, can we even do this? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like you're just trying to make it. All right. Can it be awkward? I, listen, I guarantee you, and I think if you've, got, if you've watched The Chosen, whatever you feel about that, if you've watched it, I think they do an amazing job at this. I cannot imagine how awkward and clunky Jesus' small group was, his community group, when Peter, firehead Peter, is living life with tax collector Matthew. That is a dumpster fire waiting to just be lit. I mean, just, you know what I'm saying? Y'all understand that. I think, I think I love that, that how the, they try to capture that in that show. If you've gotten a chance to watch that show, it's like, hey, these were just real people. And this is like, Jesus has his messy biological family. And then he's like, but I'm really pointing to a spiritual family and they're just gonna be messy too. And if, you just, if we could just be honest, I feel quite certain if you've gotten to be in the church for any amount of time, you've probably gotten hurt by some of that family. So I'm not here to raise this like beautiful ideal and say, man, but what I am here to say is you aren't going anywhere with the Lord in your spiritual journey without other people speaking life into you and for you a chance to pour into as well. You're stuck. And that's not me like, I'm saying the Bible is the one that's showing this rhythm of life. And no one wants to be stuck. Is it gonna be messy? Yeah. Will it, but you might get hurt along the way, yeah. Does God have beautiful and better for you in the days ahead? Yes. We're building a family here. We're doing a series called I Am The Church because we wanna be the church together. Even belong, by the way, after the 12, Jesus had his three. So meaning this, just you don't have to be besties with everyone. <sighs> Thank God. <laughs> All right, come on. You're like, I don't know if I could do that, pastor. Right? You don't have to be besties with everyone. Jesus had his 12, but with his three, he had his three. He just had, he had a few people that I'm like, I can really go deep with. Let me say it again. He had three other dudes that he could just go deep with. He's the one that called him over Mark chapter five. Um, he's going up to be, to reveal his glory. It's called, we call it the transfiguration. Jesus actually like is lit up with his pre-incarnate glory. And he just grabs, he says, you guys stay back, but I, I want my, oh my guys. And I'm sure that was, I don't even know how awkward that was for the other nine. I just don't even know. And maybe there was some hurt over that. I don't really know. All we know is he just said, Peter, James, John, you guys are with me. And do y'all remember on his final night before he goes to his grave, 
He's bringing those boys along. He's like, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I can't do this alone. I can't go to the cross alone. Will you pray for me? Be with me. Be my family. Come with me. And then he goes further into the garden and he grabs his three and he says, can you guys come with me? If Jesus is living in need of other people on this planet, what does that mean for us? We need each other. We're building more than a service. We're building a spiritual family. It will be messy, but we wanna do exactly what Jesus did. We wanna live in life and community. You're not, listen, it's not about community groups, it's about relationships. Well, you build relationships. It's hard and it's sticky, but it's the call. We gotta be in each other's lives. I need your testimonies. I need your failures and shortcomings. You need mine. We can share those with each other. None of it, we're not asking you to stand on the stage and say all the, the things. Just saying, have your people. Let's have our people. Let's build something meaningful together. Could we do that? I believe that this is a place where we could do that in a safe way. And we can love and excuse each other and all the messes that come with being a part of a family. But we're not gonna not try and ask God to do that in this place. You know, people that are looking for a family or they've been hurt by the church. I think this is a church you can bring them to. And we'll just say, we know you've been hurt. And I'll apologize for every bad leader that has ever hurt your heart. On behalf of church leadership and its brokenness, I'm so sorry. This is a moment you can receive fresh life from the Lord. Because it's not about this family, it's about him who's building the family. And we're just coming along for the journey. I'm imperfect, very imperfect. I'm sure I'll fail you at one point in time. I'll say something dumb up here. I already have like three times just this message, right? Four, thank you. That's good. Is that, is that Todd? God, I freaking love you, dude. So good. Y'all stand. We got to finish this thing. God, we need you. We need you and we need each other and we can't get away from that. We're gonna say it again. This is our, in, in fact, you might just make this declaration because I'm not gonna get here and force you or, or make it awkward. We just wanna invite you. You're invited. God, we need you. Tell him that in your heart. Lord, I need you desperately. And God, I need, I need friends. I need, I need friends. I need the church. I am the church and I need him. Men, would you ask right now for God to bring two or three other men who can be life-giving and encouraging to you? Would you just ask him that question? I pray God would do it here, right here among, in our midst. Would you ask him? Ladies, would you just ask, Father, would you bring some faithful women, two or three, can come around me and encourage me? Father, I pray that a spirit of camaraderie and family would come over us when we gather in community groups, when we gather in our study groups, we come together to be your family, to be touched by your spirit through each other. What a powerful thing, God. Your spirit is touching other people's lives through us. Would you do that here among us? We'd not stay on the sidelines. And I just want to pray this. If you've been hurt by the church, 
we're gonna have a chance to talk a little bit more about that later in this series. But I wanna say, if you've been hurt, right now, would you invite the healing breath of God over your heart? And there may be even some forgiveness the Lord is leading you into ways the church acted ugly. We're not gonna be blind to those. It's just time to bring it to the Lord and ask him to do his healing power and work. Heal, God, I'm asking. Anyone that's got it willing to, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand and come forward, but would you be real with the Lord about that? I need healing. I'm hurt. Would you heal my heart and lead me towards new and fresh, deep and meaningful relationship with you and with each other? We'll have some prayer partners to be available to pray with you, encourage you, bless you. About anything that's going on in your world, I'm gonna pray our benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. We pray, amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love you. See you next week.